Genesis chapter 3, we're going to begin in Genesis for this brand new series, and I hope it can help somebody today. And uh, we're going to be getting to read in verse 6. If you're there, can you shout amen? amen? It says this, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband. Mm-mm-mm. And uh, this is why men still blame women for all their problems, but not at Calvary, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together, and they made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said, Where are you? Isn't it crazy since the beginning of time we've been hiding from God whenever we have guilt or shame in our life? We still do it to this very day. Some of us didn't want to come to church this afternoon because we feel guilty or ashamed. But isn't it beautiful that God always comes after his creation? Come on, God is always after us. God is the pursuer who always chases us. And Adam said, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, well, the woman, God, it, it was her fault. You know, this, this girl, this lady you put next to me, I don't even know why you gave me this girl. I mean, she's a problem. She gave me the fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, well, it was the serpent that deceived me and I ate it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals and you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15 is where I want us to focus on. I want you to listen to this verse. It says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Listen to this. He says, there's going to be something that comes out of you, woman, that is going to crush the head of the serpent. Oh, the serpent might, might strike his heel, but at the end of the day, the Savior is going to crush his head. Come on, is there anybody glad that Jesus is the one that comes to crush death on top of his head? Come on, somebody at 1 p.m., are you thankful for Jesus? Come on, before we get to Christmas, can anybody thank God and be glad for the Savior? Come on. Oh, I'm going to preach before. I mean, I, mean, I don't even got to wait. I'm going to start preaching right now. Anybody glad that we got Jesus that came to rescue us? He's the Savior of the world. Come on, he forgave us of our sins. He came to crush the serpent on the head. Pray 1 p.m. wakes up. Come on. I need you to shout me down today. I feel like preaching. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. And I hope you're taking notes. Studies suggest that if people take notes, they're going to make it to heaven more easily. So you better take a lot of notes. I titled this, Not If, But When. Not if, but when. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him, neighbor. Oh, but come on, come on, 1 p.m., 1 p.m. We're about to get up and do some stretches, some yoga, some squats, something. Look at your neighbor and tell him, neighbor. It's not if, but when. It's not if God will do it, but when God will do it. Anybody believe that this afternoon? It's not if, but it's when. If you're here for the first time, you're probably like, these people are crazy, a little bit. We just like to have a good time in church. And I'm the type of preacher, type of speaker, communicator that I like when people shout me down. So if you, if this is your first time here, feel free to shout me down. I mean, I just, I'm ready. Hey, youth, we already know how it is. And uh, 
my voice is starting to give out, so I'm going to preach my heart out at 1 p.m. I don't care if I don't make it to Windward. I'm going to preach my heart out right here. 1 p.m. We're going to have some church. Look at your neighbor and tell them, church. No, but I need you to say it with an attitude, church. Some, some of y'all are still too white to do it. Come on. Look at say, church. <laughs> Come on, let's pray. Let's believe God. We're going to unpack this thing. We're going to talk about the Bible, and uh, we're going to worship God some more. Amen? Come on, let's close our eyes, bow our head. And ask God to bless this time. Father, we thank you this afternoon. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this church, this community. We thank you for everything that you have done, everything that you are doing, everything that you are going to do. God, we thank you for the people in this community. God, we thank you for each and every single person in this place right here, right now. God, Holy Spirit, we pray that you begin to heal hearts right now, lift up heads and open up eyes. God, even before the preaching, you can do it right here, right now. Some people walked in with their head down. Some people walked in discouraged. God, I pray that you would encourage them right now by the power of your spirit, God. I pray that you would set people free. I pray that you would heal people right now in the name of Jesus. God, thank you for this place. Thank you for this church. Thank you for our city, God. Thank you that I know somehow, some way, you are going to help the Dolphins overcome the 49ers. In Jesus' name, six in a row we're believing today. In Jesus' name, all God's people say. Come on, all God's people say. 1 p.m., can you give God a big shout of praise one more time? Come on. Anybody in here like me, you hate waiting on people. You hate waiting. Anybody hate waiting? Waiting is the most frustrating thing in the world. When you have to wait on something, it is frustrating. My iPhone is tripping. It's giving me problems. I don't know why every time a new Apple product comes out, the old one starts going crazy. I think they do it on purpose. My iPhone is not charging and is losing the battery really quick. The other day, I was in the Dayland area getting ready to go down to Color Bay, and uh, it was not charging. It was, it was dead. And I put, it, I put the charger in the car, and it was not charging the phone. That is frustrating. I had to send some texts about some things that were going on here at church that we had to get ready for Sunday and my phone would not turn on. It is frustrating having to wait for your phone to charge. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of, some of you don't want to say amen, but you're waiting for your boo to text you and you don't got no, you don't got no battery on your phone. It's a frustrating thing. And on top of that, to add to my frustration, I was in traffic. Anybody hate traffic? Waiting is bad, but if you have to wait in traffic, and I'm not talking about any traffic, Miami traffic, you know what I'm talking about? It is the worst thing in the world having to wait on traffic, and people cut you off, and the Palmetto's under construction for the past 55 years, and you got to wait and wait and wait. Waiting is frustrating. Anybody ever have to wait for like your spouse, your wife, or your husband, or, or, or a girlfriend, boyfriend, anybody in here, you, you know what it's about, you have to wait for them to get ready to leave the house? 1 p.m. is a little bit smarter. So... <laughs> <laughs> Lucho, uh, 1 p.m. at 9 a.m., this one, <laughs> one husband said, amen, read it out. And I said, oh, your wife is not going to like that. You're waiting for her too much. And it's frustrating to have to wait for people to be ready. Now, my wife, my wife is always ready on time. That's my boo, my girl. I love her. She's awesome. Always ready. She has to wait for me. That's, that's my boot thing right there. But anyway, so waiting on people. The other day, we had to wait on one of my nephews. We were going to a wedding, my brother's wedding, and my nephew was taking forever to get ready. You have to wait on little kids to get ready. You know how frustrating that is? They can't find their shoes anywhere. You tell them to put on shoes 50 times in a row, and they're still not listening. They're still watching, like, I don't know, whatever it is that they're watching nowadays, watching some crazy shows, and I'm just like, put on your your shoes. We got to go to the wedding. We're going to be late to the wedding, and they're just taking their time. Waiting is frustrating, and nobody likes to wait. And so what happens is I think that when God puts us in a waiting position, we get frustrated with God. 
And I think a lot of us, what we end up doing is that we shipwreck our faith because we don't want to wait on God. Oh, oh, the moment that God has us waiting for just a second, the moment God has us waiting for a few days or even a few years, we're like, God, forget it. I'm leaving the church. I'm not going to my connect group. I'm not even turning to my neighbor and telling him anything because you got me waiting too long. And we don't want to wait on God because nobody enjoys waiting. And so we think that waiting on God means that God has forgotten about us. Especially nowadays in the generation that we're living, we're living in a generation that's the now generation. We want things right now, right? I mean, this is why we have microwaves, because we want food right now, right? You don't want to take forever to have to cook up some meals, especially if you got kids, you got things to do. So you pop in the microwave and you put some frozen dinner for four minutes. And before the four minutes is even done, you're popping that thing open. Anybody like me? You don't even let that thing run out. Just pop it in. We want things right now. Right? We, we want cars that we can't afford. We want furniture that we can't afford. So if we don't have the money, we'll put it on a credit card. Right? Oh, it's pretty quiet. Come on, 1 p.m. I don't know how much credit card debt you got, but my goodness. <laughs> Buy stuff we can't afford to impress people we don't even like. And so we want things right now. I want it right now. I want this car. I'm going to go buy it right now. I want these shoes. I'm going to go buy it right now. I want everything. I'm going to go get it right now. Single people, all my young people. Come on, can you give a shot one time? Super thirsty. And so what happens, what happens is you don't want to wait on God to bring the right person in your life. So you end up going after the first person that walks in that even symbolizes a man or a woman of God. You go chasing after them because you can't wait on God to bring you the right person in the right season at the right time. And, well, I don't know, he's cute, and it looks like he got one of those Jesus fishes in the back of his truck, so I'm just going to hook up with him. Because <laughs> we can't wait on God. Well, God, I'm already turning 21. I'm turning 22. I'm, 20, I'm turning 30, and I'm still single and mad thirsty. And, uh, God, I can't see. What do I got to do? And God is saying, wait, but we can't wait because we're a generation that wants everything right now. Oh, God, I want everything right now. Come on, some of you understand where I'm going with this. Right? Some, there's people in here, you've been waiting on God to fix your marriage. You've been waiting on God for, for God to help you with your health and saying, God, when are you going to heal me? You've been waiting on God to fix your financial situation. And you've been waiting and saying, how long do I have to wait, God? Because it, it's been a long time. It's been a very long time, God. And I, 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 do you even remember who I am, God? God, do you, hello, can you hear me? Hello from the other side. God, because it seems that you've forgotten about me, and so we end up getting frustrated with God. And we don't, want to, we don't want to wait. God, I want it right now. This is a now generation. So what we want to do with Advent, what we're doing with Christmas is, hey, let's slow things down. The pastor JP was saying, Advent is about waiting on what's coming. Right? Because we had a first Advent, which was waiting on the promised Messiah. Now the second Advent is that Jesus is coming once again, church. Sometimes I think we don't talk about Jesus' return too much, but Jesus is going to return. Remember I talked about a couple weeks ago, waking up, thinking nobody was home, and thinking Jesus came back and didn't take me with him, and, but he is coming back. And so we wait, but we don't want to wait, but we have to wait. So we want to do through this Christmas season at Calvary, we, we want to wait on God and talk about Advent and, and enjoy the things that God has given us. But we get so frustrated that we say, God, you know what, then I'm just going to go find stuff on my own. If God has taken too long with my prayer request, then I'm going to go find something on my own. I just rather, so what we end up doing is that we pass on waiting and we try to end up at pleasure, but we end up with dissatisfaction. Because nothing pleases the heart. The Bible says that, St. Augustine actually said this, that the heart is restless until we find rest in him. 
It's restless until we, so we try to fill it with things. I mean, if, if, if God won't answer my prayers, then, then I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll try a relationship. I'll, I'll try some sex. I'll try some drugs. I'll try some alcohol. I'll try a car or a house. I'll try something, maybe a little bit more money. I'll, maybe, I mean, I'll do something and see if something brings me any kind of satisfaction to my life. And we try to find it everywhere because we, we can't. We need it right now. I mean, we're living in a generation that wants everything right now. I mean, it's Monday and we're already dreaming about Friday. Everybody putting up their Instagram pictures. It's a cat half asleep. Is it Friday yet? And it's only Monday. We want to fast forward the week. And then we get to Friday and we're already upset because we know Monday's coming again. Right? We're a generation that wants everything to fly by. I mean, I mean, Halloween is in the over and they're already putting up Thanksgiving stuff. Thanksgiving came and went and we already want Christmas to be here. Like the seasons just go, come and go. Nobody wants to wait for anything. Commercials are all in your face with the next thing. Buy this for Christmas. Do that. Can we just stop and wait and say, my goodness, hold on. I'm going to enjoy what I already have. This is what Advent is all about. Let's wait a little bit. But nobody wants to wait. But God calls, sometimes he's going to put us in some holding patterns. And he's going to cause you to wait for a moment. Listen, creation is waiting, the Bible says, to be redeemed. We are all waiting for one reason or another. God has us waiting in different seasons of our lives. What, what are you waiting for here today? I, I know there's people in, in, in both of our earlier services, some people were in tears because they know they've been waiting on certain things for a long time. And it's frustrating having to wait. Saying, God, I don't understand where you are. I mean, where my calling, where the gifts and the stuff that you put inside of me, God, that uh, you said you were going to use me. You were going to, I mean, you, I know you've anointed me. I know you've called me. You've given me visions and dreams and my marriage, my health, all these things that I'm waiting. God, what do I do? How many know what God has spoken will always come to pass? Oh, come on. What God has promised, he will always, God is not a man to lie. God is for real. And what he promises, what he speaks will always come to pass. So we start, in, we start in Genesis. Why do we start in Genesis? Some people are like, it's a Christmas season, Christmas series. Why do we start in Genesis? Because before there was a manger, there was a garden. Before there was ever a manger, there was a garden. And so what we read in Genesis chapter 3 is God giving a promise to humanity. God says, okay, wait a minute. Okay, the woman ate the fruit. She gave it to the man, so it's all her fault. I understand, but now the woman blazing on the serpent. So serpent, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, you're going to be punished, and this is what's going to happen. There is going to come one out of the woman. And understand, it's not out of the man. It's out of the woman because it was a virgin. It's going to come out of her, and, she, and he will crush the head of the serpent. This is, for most scholars, this is known as the first gospel. They sometimes call it Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And we can put it up really quick. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He will crush your head. And you will strike his heel. And a lot of scholars consider that the first gospel because it is the first announcement of Jesus. How do you know Jesus is all over the Bible, not just in the New Testament? Even in the Old Testament, already in Genesis chapter 3, here we see that God announces that a Savior is coming. From the garden, we now hear a promise. God has spoken a promise. And now, now the people of God have marked that. And they understand that God is going to send a Savior for humanity. God is going to redeem us. Sin came into the world. We're suffering under sin. All of us, humanity's fallen, and we need a way out, but we understand that God is going to send a Savior. So what happens is year after year begins to pass, and they're waiting for their Savior. But all of a sudden, it doesn't go just from year to year. It goes from generation to generation. Prophet after prophet, Micah came, Isaiah came, Ezekiel came, all these people talking about the Savior. But guess what? It's taking a very long time, God. All of a sudden, in Genesis, we hear a promise, 
But now all these years are going by. I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds of years are going by. And the Savior is nowhere to be found. Have you found yourself in a place like that before? God, God, I'm not, I'm not talking about two, three days have gone by. God, I'm talking about years have gone by. Somebody came up to me today after the 9 a.m. with tears in her eyes. She was bawling. She said, I've been waiting for eight years. That's a long time. Some of us are crying over eight days. It is eight years. And she says, but I know God is faithful. Year after year. Maybe that's where you're at today. You've been waiting year after year after year, and it seems like nothing. And, and so what happened is, I mean, we hear the laments of the people. They begin to, to cry out to God, and sometimes you just got to be real with God. And maybe you find yourself like David here today. David in the book of Psalm chapter 13. Listen to what he tells God. Psalm chapter 13 verse 1. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? You ever feel like telling God that? I mean, when I grew up in church, they, tell, they told us we couldn't tell God stuff like that until I read it in the Bible. I'm like, wait a minute. God, where are you at? <laughs> David is like, God, where are you? God, my enemies are about to take over me. God, I don't see you. If we're real and honest today, all of us have been there. God, I don't see you. You're not answering. Uh, my rent is due, and my, I still don't got a job, and they're about to, I mean, fire me. What am I going to do? My health is getting worse. God, where are you? David is like, I don't see you. God, are you going to forget me forever? It's not like he said, forget me for a little while. Forever? A couple books later, in the book of Habakkuk, look what Habakkuk says. Habakkuk chapter 1, he says, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Verse 3, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. God, there is all this destruction. Therefore, the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous, so that justice is perverted. Habakkuk was, was, was pretty upset. He's saying, God, you don't see everything that's happening? You don't see all this violence around me? You don't see all these people treating us bad? You don't see the enemies winning? You don't see they're trying to charge extra for guac at Chipotle? I mean, God, all these injustices. God, where you at? And Habakkuk is upset saying, God, where are you? You are nowhere to be. My health is getting worse and you are nowhere to be found. The earth is getting more wicked and you are nowhere to be found. And still comes another prophet and another prophet. All prophesy. A Messiah is coming. Because once God already speaks it, it's going to come to pass. It's going to come to pass. It's not if, it's when. Oh, come on, look at your neighbor one more time and tell him, it's not if, it's when. Isaiah gives a beautiful prophecy. Isaiah chapter 9. Can you, can you fast forward? We've read too much this morning. Go, go to, it took too long at the 9 and 11. And the 1 p.m., they, they, they're getting ready to shout. Right there, right there. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. Come on, that's a beautiful prophecy. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And it says, of the greatness of his government and the peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. That's a beautiful prophecy. Isaiah gives so many prophecies about the coming Savior. and People get excited. Oh, God, he spoke it in Genesis. This is amazing. I want you to know, from Genesis to about Isaiah, oh, oh, about 2,000 years have passed by. People waiting on God's promise. 2,000 years. Some of us can't wait two minutes. Like, God, I've been praying for a long time. And Isaiah gives this beautiful prophecy. You know, but there's a Savior that's coming. Remember, he spoke about it. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He spoke about it. Now Isaiah comes to prophesy again. It's going to come to pass. But what happens when you wait so long? Finally, when we get to the Gospels, we see that finally, after all these years, the Savior did come. 
From the moment God spoke about it in the Garden of Eden to the moment that Jesus was born, approximately 4,000 years have passed. 4,000 years. 4,000 years, that's a long time waiting. What do you do when you've been waiting for such a long time? Despair can come in. Disappointment comes in. Disillusion comes in. Your eyes start to wander to other places because you feel that God's forgotten. Maybe there's some people in here today. You're looking at things around you because you're saying, God, he, he's, not, he's not answering my prayers. God, he, he surely has forgotten about me. And we see that in the first advent, God did. God was faithful, and he did send the Savior. And in the Gospels, we see that he was born in a manger. But how many know that even after his uh, death, burial, and resurrection, even after Jesus was born, after he went to the cross, after he died, after he resurrected, still on this side of the cross, we are still waiting. But now we're waiting for a second coming. And not only are we waiting for a second coming, some of us are waiting for things in our life. The Bible says that creation groans for the day of redemption. In other words, creation is waiting for the day for Jesus to come back and make everything right again. It says one day there's going to be no more sickness. No tears, no more dying, no more crying. One day he's going to come and make everything right. And we believe that wholeheartedly. Jesus is going to come back for us. But in the meantime, we wait, wait, and wait. I really feel this morning, like, like this afternoon, like God told me to tell somebody, your delayment doesn't mean that you've been denied. Write that down, point number one. Just because you've been delayed doesn't mean you've been denied. Oh, look at your neighbor and tell him, hey, you may be delayed. Oh, come on, I need you to shout at them and wait. Just shake them a little bit. Tell them, hey, you may be delayed, but you ain't denied. Oh, some of us are saying, God, where are you? You're taking forever. I want to tell you that God is saying he hasn't denied your request, but he's delaying it for a reason. God's delayments are always intentional. He's delaying it for a reason. Delayment does not equal denied. Why is God denying? Sometimes God puts us in a holding pattern not to hurt us, but to protect us. He doesn't do it to hurt us. He does it to protect us. God is, God is, is, is not forgetting about what he's spoken over your life. God is not forgetting about your marriage. God is not forgetting about your calling. God is not forgetting about what he's spoken over your life. The Bible says in the book of 2 Peter, if you could put that up really quick, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. How good is that? God hasn't forgotten He's not slow as we think. How many know God is, is rarely early, but God is never late. He's always on time. Well, just because it's been delayed doesn't mean you've been denied. Maybe is it your calling? Is it your marriage? Is it your finances? And we're sitting here questioning God, saying, God, I don't understand where you're at. So you know what happens? That we get frustrated, and all of a sudden, dissolution comes. All these things begin to set in into our lives. So what we begin to do is we begin to look to other places. And we got to be careful because when what we can't see is silent, we begin to worship what we can see. No, 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 not me. We all do it. When God is silent in our life, we begin to worship the things around us. Well, God is not talking. God is taking forever, so I'm just going to do things on my own. The people of Israel did this. Moses went up to the mountain. He said, I'm going to go talk to God. I'm going to go get the law from God. Wait for me right here. They couldn't even wait. Look, look at Exodus chapter 32. It says, when the people saw that Moses was so long coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come on, make us a God who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, this guy, he brought us up out of Egypt. We don't know what has happened to him. He's taking too long. We got no time to wait. 
Oh, make us a God. Make a golden calf. And we'll begin to worship the golden calf. We got no time to wait for God. We hate waiting. We hate waiting. The Israelites hated waiting. Some of us in here, we hate waiting, so we're looking for other things to worship because God has taken too long. What do we worship? A relationship that we're in? Is it money that we begin to worship? Whatever gives us some kind of, kind of security? We don't wait, but what we fail to do is to realize that waiting creates a process in our life that we can't skip. Let me repeat that. Waiting creates a process in our life that we can't skip. Look at the Bible says in the book of James chapter 5. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, unto the Lord's coming. This is James. This is Jesus' brother, by the way, talking. And in the moment that he's writing this, they are being persecuted and chased out of their land. And he tells them, I want you to be patient until the Lord is coming. See how the farmer, the farmer has to wait for the land to yield valuable crop, patiently waiting for autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. I like that. The judge is standing at the door. He's saying, hey, I think we got two more verses. Verse 10. Brothers and sisters, an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And it says, as you know, we count as blessed those who persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and see what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and he's full of mercy. He said, hey, don't, don't, don't give up on waiting. It's like a farmer, he says. It's like a farmer. A farmer puts a seed into the ground. And it's not going to happen in an hour. You have to give it the season that it needs for it to produce crop. What happens a lot of times is we want things overnight. That's like us going to Nosberry Farm and saying, can, can you open up even when they're not in season? We need some cinnamon rolls and some strawberry shakes right now. It's not the season yet. We planted the seeds, but you got to give it time for it to grow. And what happens is God has planted seeds inside of us. And, and what we want to do is that we want those seeds to come to produce right now. And God is saying, what, what you're not seeing is that there's something happening down under the soil that is happening deep down inside of you. I'm producing something inside of you that you need to hold on and give it its due time because it's going to produce some character inside of you. It's going to produce a man and a woman of God of strength. Oh, come on, 1 p.m. Are you glad that God takes his time so that we don't lack nothing? He's saying, give it some time. Give it some time. I haven't forgotten. I haven't denied you. He said, you remember the prophets who had to wait on God for so long? And they've been prophesying a Savior for so long, but they persevered. And you remember Job who lost everything? This, this is what James is talking about. You remember all these people? Oh, they persevered, and we count them as blessed. I don't know about you, church, but I want God to count me as blessed because I persevered in the middle of trials, in the middle of waiting, in the middle when I didn't understand. I want to persevere, and I want to be blessed. Come on, somebody. I want to be blessed. I'm going to persevere even when it makes no sense. Because it's in the hidden parts of my life that God is producing something. It's when the seed is in the soil that God is growing something in our life. So what we want to do, we want to rip off the seed and say, God, I don't want it. It's taking too long. Write this down, number two. God is more interested in the process than the end product. The process is more valuable than the end product. Why? Because he's producing something in you. We want to skip over the process, but the process is important. Look at the Bible says in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. We don't even like that word sufferings. That word sufferings makes us want to cringe. Nobody wants to suffer. 
because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us how good is that oh come on he's producing something inside of us we want the end product right now and God says the process is more valuable than the end product you want the end product I'm trying to make you a man and a woman of God. I'm trying to make you a man and a woman of character. Character. God is into building character in our lives. This is the God. This is what he's into. He's into building. God doesn't want no fluffy Christians that ain't never been through anything. He wants some people who have gone through the test of time. He wants some people who've been through trials. He he wants some people that have been through hell and high water and say, wait a minute, I've been through the fire. I've stood and I believe God and I'm standing strong. Come on, 1 p.m. Anybody want to be a man or a woman of God that stands and says, I will not be shaken. We're a generation that wants things. Now, you ever notice when you give a kid everything they want, what do they become? Spoiled. Somebody said spoiled brat. Yep. Right? You know, you've seen it. Parents who give their kids everything since they're a baby, and then once they're about 10 years old, 12 years old, they're spoiled brats. Nobody wants to hang with them. They've never known what it is to wait. Sometimes say no. Sometimes have to wait. God wants to mature us into mature believers. He wants to grow us into people who wait on him. Because otherwise, you know, you know what happens is that we think that happiness comes from getting everything we want. Happiness doesn't come from getting everything we want. Happiness does not come from accumulation. Happiness comes from appreciation. Can you appreciate everything that God has already given you? Oh, happiness, I'm going to get everything. Everything I ask God in Jesus' name, he's going to give it to me. That's what the Bible says. If I just pray in Jesus' name, he'll give me everything. So God, give me a wife and, uh, you know, make her blonde, make her five feet ten with light eyes. And God, can you also give me that Ferrari? And God, give me that mansion. God is not an ATM. God is not a genie. God is trying to develop you into a man and woman of character. And what he's trying to do is build us up so we can stand no matter what comes to hit us. True happiness, true joy. That's why the book of Philippians is so awesome because true joy comes not with gaining everything that we want and asking God as as if he were a genie. True joy comes when we begin to appreciate everything he's already given us. We may not have everything we want, but how many know we have everything we already need? The happiest people are not the people that have the best of everything. The happiest people are the people who make the best out of everything they have. Oh, I'll be happy if I have everything. No, you're happy when you appreciate everything you already have. You make the best out of it. Stop looking at somebody else's wife and start saying, I love my wife. That's the most beautiful woman in the world. I appreciate my wife. My God, she should be a model. America's next top model, girl. Miss USA, Miss Universe. My goodness, start appreciating what you have at home. My kids, they're so hard-headed. Oh, my God, they're stupid. They're dumb. They never put their toys. Start saying, I got the smartest kids in the world. I appreciate them. Thank you for my child. Thank you for my daughter. Thank you for my son. I declare they're going to be prosperous. I declare they're going to change the world. I declare they're going to be men and women of God of faith. They're going to shake the gates of hell. We got to appreciate what God has already given us. I don't like this house. This house is old. Oh my goodness, I don't even want to come home. 
start appreciating what you already have. I don't like this car. I got no AC, no radio. <laughs> start saying, I don't care. Free AC. I don't even got to pay for it. Roll, roll down the window and say, I will bless the Lord. My God in my car. I don't care if I don't got AC. I don't care if I don't got radio. I'm going to lift up my own voice and praise God. I'm going to lift up my own voice and be my own radio. I'm going to sing unto the Lord. I'm going to appreciate. I told you 1 p.m. I was going to shout my lungs out. I don't know when we're going to do another worship night. Happiness is not accumulation, it's appreciation. And so God wants to put us through a process that we're trying to go over. God, no, I want this now. God, give me everything right here, right now. And God says, I'm trying to put you through a process that if you only knew, it's going to make you stronger. It's only going to make you stronger. We all want to skip it. We all say, no, just get me to the end. Just get me to the end. I want the end product. God says, man... You know what I'm saying? Because this waiting, this waiting, God, this waiting has me frustrated. This waiting, God, I can't stay in this waiting much longer. I'm frustrated in this waiting. Well, the, the people of God had to wait 4,000 years. How many came and went without seeing the promise fulfilled? The Bible says he has a special gift for those who went to heaven without seeing the promise fulfilled. Can we hold on even if the promise doesn't come to pass in our lifetime? I want you to write this down. It's the last one. Appreciate the season you're in. You may not be able to change the season you're in, but you can't change your spirit in the season. Oh, God, God may not come and change things right here, right now in the season that you're in, but you can't change your spirit in it. Change your attitude to the season that you're in. Oh, come on. Some of us, we get caught up really quick with some bad attitude and whatever mess we're in. God, but I don't even know how I'm here. God, how did I end up marrying this woman? She, God, she gives me headaches every single day of my life. God, I don't even know how. Start appreciating and start changing your spirit. Maybe if you were a better husband, she'll be a better wife. God, I don't even know how you gave me this job. This job is horrible. I hate my boss. My goodness. He gets on my last nerve. Oh, my God. I wish you gave me a You can't change your season, but you can't change your spirit. Say, wait a minute. I will bless the Lord. I'm going to bless this job. I'm going to bless this business. In fact, one day, I'm going to be the owner of this business. I'm going to take over this thing. I don't care if he's not. We don't want to wait. We don't want to wait. Give me another job. Give me another job. What about if God is wait, having you right there? Because one day you are going to be the CEO of that job. I don't want to wait. 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 Nobody wants to wait. But God is saying that the power is not in getting what you want. The power is in waiting for what you want. Waiting is either going to push you to quit or push you to persevere. There's, there's pain in waiting. I'm not going to say there's not pain. There's pain in waiting. But that pain can either become a platform in your life or a prison in your life. What, what are you going to do while you're waiting on God? And sometimes the most painful moments of our life are the ones that produce the most power in our life. I wish we had more time. Philippians chapter 4. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Stop trying to get out of it. Stop telling God, get me out of this. He says, don't be anxious for anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request before God. I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to go crazy. I, I'm not, I'm, 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 
I mean, did you see, I don't know if you guys saw, there's a, a, a factory outlet store, a sneaker store in Seattle. People lost their minds and went in there going crazy. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to go Black Friday at 3 o'clock in the morning running into some shoe store trying to find some shoes for $20 less. Like, I'm, you know what, God, I'm not anxious about anything. God, you got, I'm not going to be anxious looking for another job. I'm not going to be anxious. God, I'm waiting on you. And with prayer and thanksgiving and petition, I'll bring it up before God. There's power in waiting. God does something when we wait. It's supernatural. There's no way of explaining it. But when you wait on God, he produces something in you that you need. And all of a sudden when we wait, he's not going to leave us in despair. Because Isaiah gave us a promise as well. The book of Isaiah chapter 40 says this, but those who hope in the Lord. Another translation, but those who wait in the Lord. Oh, he will renew their strength. Come on. Anybody glad that he renews our strength? They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Oh, those who wait, those who have their hope in him, he's going to renew your strength. He's going to make sure you fly like an eagle. Come on. I don't know about you, but I want to run and not grow tired. So the next time you're faced with a health situation, you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not if he heals me, but my God, when he heals me. Next time you're going through a financial circumstance, you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not if he comes through for me, but when he comes through for me. It's not if he helps me in my marriage, but when he helps me in my marriage. It's not if, it's when. It's not if, it's when. Come on, church. Give God a praise like you know he's going to come. Give God a praise like you know he's going to break through. Lift up your hands. Let's sing this out. Come on. With all we've got. When all my soul gives way, Jesus, you hold my hope Come on, church. Lift up your voice. You are the one on which I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When all around my soul gives way, Jesus, you are my hope and strength. My God, I really feel that's a word for somebody. It's not if, but when God is going to do it. Some of you have been waiting and asking God, God, are you going to do it? It's not, is he going to do it? He is going to do it. But it's on his timing. Some people here, you've been waiting for a long time for a certain situation. And God is saying, stop asking if I'm going to do it. And just trust that when I'm going to do it, you're going to give me the glory. It's not if. It's when. It's not if, church. It's when. Can we praise God before we get the blessing? It's easy to praise God after you get the blessing. Oh, come on. It's easy. It's easy to be in a better mood after you get your food at the drive-thru. You ever be with somebody that's hangry? You know what I'm talking about? Hungry and angry. And you take them to a drive-thru, and as soon as they get that first bite of a chicken nugget, they already got a smile on their face. Because it's easy to be thankful once you have something in your hands. Can we be thankful even before we get it? Oh wait, because it's not if, it's when. I'm not going to go crazy. I'm not going to frustrate myself. I'm going to trust God that he's going to do it. 
I don't know when he's going to do it, but I'm going to trust him. We're going to be believers that are losing our minds. We're going to be believers that are trusting in his process. With every eye closed, every head bowed, I really felt like doing this this morning. I know we're over time. We're about to leave. Five more minutes and we're out of here. Really quick. I felt this this morning. I really felt like we should take a moment just to reflect and wait. That's what Advent is all about. That's what we're doing this series, The Arrival. It's about Advent. It's about waiting on what's coming. And I felt like this morning we were in a rush, like, like Christmas is coming. And all of a sudden, everybody's buying, you know, gifts and all this. And sometimes we're so wrapped up on the things that don't matter that we forget to thank God for the things that do matter. Can we, can we take a moment to just pause and reflect? I want the band to play. And I'm going to be quiet for a minute. I just want us to pause and reflect. And maybe there's some things that you're waiting. Can, can you thank God as if he already did it? Can you thank God and say, God, I will wait for you. I will wait for you, Jesus. I'm going to wait. I'm not going to grow anxious. I'm not going to go crazy. I'm going to wait. Because the same way that you sent Jesus, our Savior, it's the same way he's coming again. It's the same way you're going to answer every single question of my life. I'm just going to wait. With every eye closed, head bowed, I want you to take a moment to reflect, pause in the season that we're in. Not get caught up in the hustle and bustle and gifts and wrappings and trees and lights and all that is great we love it but just take a moment to reflect thank you Jesus He's a faithful God. He's faithful and he's going to be faithful. If you think he's forgotten about you, if you think he's overlooked you, the word for you today is he's got you right where he wants you. He's rarely early. He's never late. He's always on time. Whatever your eye closed, head bowed across this auditorium. There's people in here that you don't know God, you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you walked in here for the first, second, third time, or maybe you've been coming for quite a while, and you're saying, Alex, I don't have a relationship with God. I feel far from God. My life is messed up, and I've been doing things I shouldn't do. I've been talking to people I should I've been just been messed up. And you're tired of it and you're looking for an answer. I believe it's no coincidence that you're in here today. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. I believe he brought you in here at the right time and at the right moment. He loves you so much. He's in love with you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. While every eye is closed, head bow, while the church is praying, while leaders are praying. If you're in here today and you're saying, Alex, I'm far from God. The Bible says we all were far from God. Sin separated us from God and we're all sinners. Nobody in here is perfect. But sin came to separate, but Jesus came to join together. The Bible says that he sent his son Jesus and Jesus came and he took your sin, my sin, all of our guilt, our shame, put it on his shoulders. Jesus carried it to a cross. 
every wrong that we've committed, everything that separated us from God, Jesus carried it on his shoulders. You don't have to carry that anymore. You and I can never pay it. Jesus paid it for us. He died on that cross. He went into the grave for three days. But after three days, he resurrected. Jesus is alive today. He's the only way to the Father. He's offering brand new life, a brand new beginning, a brand, a brand new clean slate. While every eye is closed, head is bowed. I'm going to count to three in a moment. I believe hands are going to be raised up. If you're one of those that says, Alex, I need a relationship with God. I'm tired of the way I'm living. I want to start brand new. I need forgiveness of sin. Today, I want to start brand new. The Bible says, today is the day of forgiveness. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow, it is promised to no man. While every eye is closed, head bowed. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to put you on the spot. Just acknowledge you, and then you can put it right back down. At the count of three, you raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand wherever you're at. Amazing. Amazing. Awesome. I see you. Raise it up as high as you can. As high as you can. Awesome. 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 God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. Hands raised up. God bless you. Anybody else? You raise your hand. All these people that raise your hand, I'm going to say a simple prayer. All we're doing through this prayer is putting our faith and our trust in Jesus. You can talk to God any place, anywhere, but he, he's waiting for you. And today, I'm just going to make this first one simple for you. I want you to repeat after me. In fact, so you won't do it alone. We're all going to do it together with you, and we're just talking to God. I want you to repeat this out loud with a strong voice and believe that God is here, and I believe he's about to come into your life and give you a brand new beginning and a brand new start. Come on, church. Repeat this with me out loud. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner. And that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. That you died for my sin. And on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I am saved. I am forgiven. And I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church. Can we put our hands together?